Morning team, nice to be company. It's four minutes past five. It's Thursday morning. And uh, we're some papers short. Now, whether or not it's because there's a story coming out, because they're both from the same stable, the Express and the Star, uh, we shall find out a little bit. Oh, we got them here. Oh, good. No. Express and... Doesn't look like the Express and the Star, does it? Looks like the Express and the Sun. What's the matter with your eyesight this morning? Good. Good Lord, I'm completely round the twist, I'm afraid, poor soul. Anyway, nice to be company, to be company, very nice indeed. It's a bit chilly, nothing too much to worry about, but next week is when it really gets uh, icy cold. Being Thursday, we shall talk to Nathan Morley in Cyprus, and of course he celebrated his birthday the other day, so he's now a little bit older than he was. Uh, we'll talk to Roger Foss, who's given up celebrating birthdays, and Paul Savory in the studio, who's probably got one around the corner anyway. A little way around. A April. little way around. When is it? April. April. Oh, you've got ages to go. Ages and ages. Yeah. In fact, it's mine before you. I, I, I get I get me in March, and then we get you in April. That's right. So that'll be quite nice. And we're not, we're not telling anybody what the next one is. I've decided I'm keeping it quiet. Much easier. And we had a new water cooler put in outside, which is lovely. So that's quite nice. Whether it works or not remains to be seen. I'm going to have a check of that in a sec. It's a nice... I d- I'm des- desperate for a water cooler. Yes, I've lost my water. Hang on a sec. Yeah, um, you might as well start... Shall I? Yes, go on. Well, we'll do a story here that uh, oh. that Alan here wanted me to do mm-hmm. um, about uh, a 54-year-old Japanese man has been caught impersonating his 20-year-old son to take an exam, even getting a perm to make himself look younger. A perm? A perm. How lovely. That's what it says here. The father, who runs a medication distribution company, set a test to licence... Uh, uh, handle and handle over-counter drugs so that his son could work with him, said an official at Nara Prefecture in western Japan. The examiner noticed that the man looked unusually old, but a 20-year-old and 54-year-old are aged differently, but he looked like the photo on the exam admission card. The father, whose name was not released, earned his own licence last year, taking the exam with a photo showing him with straight hair and glasses. This time he curled his hair and didn't wear glasses so that he could pass the exam for <laughs> his son. I think that's quite ingenious. I see no reason why he shouldn't have been allowed to do it. Well, that's all right. Why not? Well, you've had, you've had people over here taking driving tests for other people because it, people wouldn't know, would they? You just sort of go out and you, somebody else takes the test and you go, are you that person? Yeah, I'm that person. And then the person's out there. I can always spot them, because they're the ones in front of me who look frightened. <laughs> they're sort of driving down the road. But I think taking an exam is perfectly acceptable. Perfectly Do you? acceptable. Yes, absolutely. The only thing that isn't acceptable is the perm. I didn't realise... Perms are never acceptable. Going back to, uh, to driving, mm. I didn't realise that um, for, a, for a period of time only you can drive on other European licences over here. Really? Mm. Oh. How many... Then well, you have to get a British one. Right. So, if, if you were a foreign national coming in, can you drive here? Yes, of course. You, well, you can drive, you know, you can go and hire a car in America yes, or anywhere yeah. you like, for, but only for a period of time. After, after uh, depends on which country, country you're in, um, you, can, you have to get a, a, a licence of that country. Right. I know that because a friend of mine in America has taken uh, his test over there. But unlike over here, the test you take over there is on the computer. Is it really? Yes, you didn't have to take anything actually going out physically onto a road. You just sit down and, and you do it on the com- and the computer tells you there and then if you've passed. How odd. Isn't it strange? You would have think you'd have to go, go on the road because A, if you're from here, you're driving on the wrong side. Well, in, in and Thailand, B, it's blooming dangerous. It's even easier. Told really? you before. Yeah, you just bung a policeman a few quid and you've got And that's one. it. Yeah. 
And you're out there, <laughs> out there driving on the... Well, in fact, in America, people think that in uh, New York it's difficult to get a cab licence. It's not at all difficult. I remember Jonathan Ross did his show from there, and he went out, and within a few hours, he had a licence to drive a cab. Well, I'm Don't need to do anything at all. Because last time I went to New York, um, I wanted to go to Times Square. I was staying in a hotel in Times Square. <laughs> right. Got in the cab, said, Times Square, please, and the guy didn't know where it was. No, they don't, no. That does happen Times quite... Square. I know, I know. In fact, the best way to get around New York is in the, the limos over there. The stretch oh, well, limos. Excuse me. They are, they are better. You're so posh. Yeah, but they are better than over here. Over here it's actually naff, but over there you can get some nice sleek grey ones, and it's a fixed price, they pick you up from the airport, much better than sitting in some of those yellow cabs which are filthy. They are, but the, the roads are built for the limos over there. Yeah. Not yeah. here. No, not here. Not Have you here. seen them? I oh, saw it's a, ridiculous. I, I saw have... a thing the other day, it looked like a Land Rover with an extended back on it, and, and I remember thinking, what a pile of rubbish that looks. I know, they don't look right here. They don't do look they? right here, and you know it's full of Essex girls. The, yeah, especially the naff pink ones. Yes, I've seen, I've seen a pink, I've seen a very, very big, long, stretch white one, but I've seen it broken down. Mm-hmm. And I always laugh, because I always think, ha, 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 Of course ha, you ha. do. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, over, <laughs> the, over in America, they're either black or white. You certainly wouldn't have a pink one in New York. No, you please. wouldn't have a pink no, one. No, and no. the only people who'd have pink over here are really naff people. Yes. Naff people. With dealy bobbers on their heads. Yes. Well, I don't mind the dealy bobbers. I think they're all right, actually. <laughs> I'm not, I just think that it's, it's... Why do people have it because they think people think that we're really rich? Because we all know how cheap they are. I'd be more impressed if somebody turned up in a, in a Rolls or a Bentley, which well, you'd probably get for roughly the same price. I, I have to admit, I have to hold my hands up oh, here we go. and say, yes, I do use a limo company in New York. Because the ones I use, uh, and I've recommended them on the programme yeah. before, newyorklimo.com, um, actually work out cheaper than a yellow cab. Yes, it does. And you get a driver who'll be very courteous and That's very right. polite and very nice. And know where, knows where he's going. And knows where he's going. But, I mean, here you, you wouldn't be able to have a driver, unless they were an illegal minicab, driving around, you know, not knowing where they're going. Because you've got to do the knowledge. People have got sat-nav now. Yeah. And uh, even I could find most places in London, well, I think, we, at we a push. Do. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Uh, but but sat-nav, I think, is, is one of the greatest inventions. But you have to take notice of what it says and look at the screen at the same time. Which means because taking it, your eyes off the road. No, you can <laughs> glance at the screen. It's no more diff- it's no different than glancing at the speedometer. So why can't you use your phone at the wheel? Why can I because not? Because you have, you have to hold it in your hand. Well, I can stick it under my chin. I could, yeah, if I wanted. Yeah, you still have to hold it and, and do yeah. something physical with it. Yeah. Sorry, my tummy's going away there. In, um, you know, your sat-nav is in your dashboard, usually. But have you noticed, though, everybody's got blooming sat-nav. At one time, they were considered a, a luxury. Now, you go down the motorway at night, every car's got... I mean, must must be so many idiots out there who've got no idea where they're going. I've never known so many stupid people, because every car that goes past... The, you know why? Because they love watching it moving. It's a moving picture for them. Mm. That's the only reason they've got... You see, little boys in souped-up cars, you know, where they've got the tinted black windows, which is peeling off somewhat, and they've got the stereo banging out, you know, and then they've got the little sat-navs there, and you think, oh, it's just rubbish. Rubbish. Especially when people drive off cliffs. Did you do this? Sorry? Not drive off cliffs. Do you put your sat-nav on, even if you're not going in? No, I haven't, actually. No, generally, I don't. I haven't had it for ages. (laughs) Generally, I don't. (laughs) But, uh, Steve does, all the time. Really? Yeah. And even if he sits in my car... He reaches over and puts the screen on. It's I because people know. like moving pictures. And they go, oh, look, it knows where I am, mm. kind of thing. I'll tell, tell you what I do find interesting about the sat if you've got it on, whether you're going somewhere or not, yeah. is that you find out the names of places, even close to where you live, that you didn't know before. Yeah. But I, I've got exactly the same on my, on my iPhone. 
I've, I've got a, a, a find. It'll tell me exactly where I am. Don't you know? I've no idea. <laughs> I'm assuming it's Leicester Square, but I could be wrong this morning. <laughs> Happy birthday to Val in Baldock. Well, not still, Steve. Isn't it the same birthday that we celebrated the other week? How many birthdays is this woman having, for God's sake? <laughs> Ridiculous. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Noreen's not very well. She's gone down with the dreaded lurgy, which is doing the round, so oh. she'll be feeling a bit <laughs> this morning. It's not very nice at all. But uh, a few words, says Diane of Elstree, from you, and she will recover. I know that she's seen the YouTube clip uh, on YouTube of Croydon. The last six minutes of the Croydon show has been put up by Dawn. Oh, Lord, is it? So we've, we've got that on there. We've got Richard singing. And uh, also we've got the snow coming down. And for some peculiar and inexplicable reason, Alan Dodgen laughing. <laughs> No reason for it at all. And so we've got that. That's the up there. The medication was wearing off yeah. by that time, I think. Six minutes of the Croydon show. So if you want to see what it looks like, go on. I haven't checked it myself, so I've got no idea how many people have uh, have had a look at this thing, but I'm quite sure that it will end up... Because I think on one of them, the one that we did at the studio... Very hot in here again today. Uh, 11,000 people have had a quick look at it. Blimey, which I quite like. I quite like. So, uh, I wish you better. And incidentally, uh, Nora and I also noticed Fat Boy Fat, Eamon Holmes, is doing a fitness show on the television. We've been telling him for ages that he's grossly overweight, and if he's not careful, he won't be with us for long. So he's going on this fitness show, hosting it, and, of course, he's, um, he's going to be taking part in the programme. He says, all with the help of, uh, of the wife. Can't be much fun having him falling on top of you in bed at night, I shouldn't oh, think. Dear. Giant wardrobe with a small key is still in the lock. But uh, that springs to mind. But there he was, boring everybody yesterday on the Alan Titchmarsh show. They, they must have sat at home, him and Ruth, and thought, how can I get myself back on television? How can I get... And I'm thinking to myself, we, no, we've seen you enough on television. It's bad enough watching poor old Wogan, who's so past it now. It's an embarrassment on Channel 4, 5, whichever one he's doing. He's doing a quiz show, but he's managed to get his name above the title. So it's called Wogan's whatever it is. And apparently they have to film them one after the other because he goes to sleep. Oh, he goodness. goes to sleep. So he has to do it. He said, I'm up at 5.20 in the morning. I thought, amateur. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> 5.20. Practically a lion for us around here. Uh, so I, I do three straight through, he says, and, um, and then I'm able to go home and sleep. Oh. So that's it. But he must I've, be about 103. Four. Oh, OK. Unfortunately, the quiz show is rubbish. It is absolutely terrible. Have you seen it? No. <gasps> it's not a good quiz show. It's a bit dreary. It's one of those, you know, I'm, I'm a bit bored with quiz shows on the television. I think that there's nothing new in them unless we're going to get a Keith Chegwin and we're going to get a nude one again. That was the only fun thing, <laughs> watching Keith no. Chegwin emerging from behind no. the rock. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. We don't want to see that again. Thank you very much. Uh, John says, don't forget your congestion charge is due in a few weeks' time. Uh, I don't pay the congestion charge, I'm afraid, anymore. Uh, I have a driver, so I don't pay anything. You're so posh, at all. saying you're posh. And I'm very posh. Actually, it, it runs out in March. It doesn't run out, run out in January, it runs out in March. I checked it the other day, because I came into town. I, I, w I went home and then came back to go out for lunch with, uh, with a friend. And um, very nice it was, too. I didn't eat very much, like I'm not eating very much today. So you're going to be hearing my stomach throughout the entire programme, I'm afraid. Because I'm fasting until nine o'clock. And it's not much fun, I'm telling you. I could have eaten a little sausage this morning. I was only saying to the newsreader, Jim Diamond, I was only saying, because he said to me, oh, look, Steve's got his little sausages out again. And uh, it doesn't take much to force him to swallow a few of those. And, uh, and I thought maybe I'd have a... And I, I looked, I thought, oh, no, I can't. And what did you bring me in this morning? Curry sauce. Curry sauce. Curry sauce! Oh, I tell you. Let me explain it. We were talking about it last week and oh. we found this instant curry sauce. Oh, delicious. Like chip shop curry sauce. Yes. 
And, and uh, just lifting the lid off some. and smelling it, it smells like chip shop curry sauce. It's a very northern, expect, really. common thing to do, but don't worry, I'm easily adaptable, so I shall be trying that after I've had the blood test. I'm thinking of how, how quickly I can get chips cooked and tip them in curry sauce. <laughs> Perhaps you can pour it on other things. Perhaps Aren't bananas. You? Oh, no. <laughs> bananas and curry sauce. Why not? Why not? Well, no, because you, you, <laughs> my mother used to do a typical British curry, which had sultanas, bananas, carrots and cucumber in it. A typical British curry. Everybody else doesn't use that kind of thing. Most people, you know, we, we don't do fruit in curries, do we? Not necessarily know. all the time. Anyway, 16 minutes past five. Scene 97.3. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's uh, 5.20. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. LBC 97.3. The paper's are full of picture of uh, scrawny Victoria Beckham, who's so airbrushed. I mean, this picture makes her look attractive, but you know she doesn't look like this. Have you seen it? This is the, uh, the Armani underwear shot. Oh, please. I mean, it's, it's just ludicrous, really. It's like looking at the front page of uh, OK! magazine, which has got Kerry Katona on there. Well, it's got a bit of Kerry Katona's face. I mean, the rest of it, I've got no idea who it is, because it just looks ludicrous. And this uh, one of Victoria Beckham, uh, they say here, like any woman, she's conscious of her body, so she worked really hard to get into optimum shape. She's a scrawny little stri- stick insect, I'm afraid, and uh, doesn't look at all good. Photoshop is a wonderful thing. Photoshop is marvellous, and this is photoshopped, because she's so scrawny now, people have been saying for months, is she ill? So what they've done is they've sort of added a bit of weight, and I'd love to have seen what these photos look like beforehand. It's a pile of old rubbish, I'm afraid. It really is, but it, it makes the papers. It is. Guess who's just declared themselves bankrupt? No idea. No, I, 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 no, I can't find the name now. People, I think. Quite a lot of people have declared themselves bankrupt. And this is Lorne Spicer. No. Lorne Spicer, this is famed for telling cash-strapped viewers how to stay out of the red, has gone bankrupt. She went bust last month with debts believed to be in the thousands. Um... Her bankruptcy order was registered at Southend County Court in her married name of Donovan. Um, she's also written two books on making money from car boot sales. So quite clearly, <laughs> and I'm a bit sick of uh, so-called celebrities uh, not paying their, their tax bills. And having earned the money, which of course she has, um, then all of a sudden saying, well, I'll tell you what, it's easy, I'll just make myself bankrupt. We saw it with Anthea Turner's sister and her husband as well. They both made themselves bankrupt, so it saved them paying anything at all, and then wrote a book about it. And then Wendy turned up on television the other day. I was shouting, go away! I got really angry. So I'm afraid Lorne Spicer, another one. I'm fed up. People who can't manage their money. Something the matter with them. Paul. Steve. There's a university in Taiwan you may want to go to. Oh, yeah. Uh, they've opened a course to teach students how to appreciate and analyse porn movies. Do you know, funny you should say that, because I turned on Loose Women yesterday, and they're talking about, do people watch internet porn? Colleen Nolan admitted she did. Mm. Uh, so did Denise, whatever her name is, the older woman on there. Yes. Whereas Jane MacDonald was horrified that somebody would do it. And apparently Denise seemed to be quite an expert on pornography. Really? Mm. Well, the Mass Communication Department of Providence University opened the course this semester. To pass the course, students must give a 15-minute presentation in which they analyse an audience's psychological reaction to a porn clip from an academic perspective. When registering Mm. for the voluntary course, students signed a paper agreeing that if the scenes were too explicit, they could choose to leave the classroom. The teacher, assistant professor, and no students have ever left the classroom, as you uh, may have expected. More than 50 students have registered for the course, and most of them confess that they've watched porn videos before. Good Lord. What a surprise. Well, it's, it is the, the most accessed 
Uh, piece of information on the internet, I believe. More more people mm. type in... Well, apparently. ...porn than anything else. And now, you see, years ago, well, in, in your day, probably, not in my day, uh, you'd have to go to the little sexual shop on the corner, and the man would go, yes, are you looking for something in particular? Are you looking for something that you can't see on the shelves? And you'd say yes, and he'd take you out the back. You sound very I, familiar with this. I remember reading a documentary about it, and you open up a suitcase, and there this man would have... Uh, photographs of an indecent nature, which which, which one would purchase? <laughs> I did one. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one might have done. <laughs> but uh, but then it all changed. So you don't actually need sex shops nowadays. Because, A, it's very embarrassing and, for the Dirty Mac Brigade. Old. And, A, you're too old to go in there and we look a bit silly standing behind the counter going for Big Boobies Are Us, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> That's not actually the name of a book. That is us. Big Boobies Are Us. Yes. <laughs> standing there. <laughs> and you go in there. So now people go on the internet and it, it's much easier, I suppose, if one wanted to access that kind of material. It's there for adults. Mm. But it must whereas be huge, well, must it? Whereas we always look at the Disney site, of course. Absolutely. That's the one well, we spend most time on. In fact, actually... Perhaps your words might have been taken out of context because there is a picture in the paper today of Eeyore doing something quite dreadful to a kitchen porter in Disneyland. And one of the girls in... The <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. And I, I, I only mention it to you because Disney are a little... I'll show you the picture. Disney are a bit up in arms over it. I bet they are. Eeyore, of course, looks very happy. <laughs> and uh, there he is. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it just tied in so nicely this morning. So Eeyore is here. Disney have said we, re we regret any offence, especially after a video of Mickey romping with Chip and Dale. <laughs> That's not Dale Winter, incidentally. <laughs> That's Chip and Dale, the chipmunks. And oh uh, Pooh's we... pal wore his trademark deadpan look as he bent to the kitchen porter over the side. <laughs> It's you all happening. It's all happening at Disney at the moment. Anyway, uh, there was 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Funny. I don't know why. But I keep looking at these pictures of uh, Victoria Beckham, and it's just so ludicrous. It's just awful, I'm afraid. Picture of you all be one you bought over suitcase. <laughs> I wish. I wish, if only. Uh, very quickly, on the subject, uh, Noreen says, uh, we all know that you'll be 38 next birthday. Hope Nathan had a good one. Uh, and Noreen is still only 21, yes. apparently. She's that ill this morning. She really believes she's 21. <laughs> <laughs> very naughty. You very naughty. Medication. Yes. And uh, uh, Lou says, you said your birthday is in March. Bill was talking about birthday number ones. And I've just found, found out my all-time secret favourite record, Lee Marvin's Wandering Star, was number one in 1970. We don't share the same birthday record. In fact, I prefer the B-side of Wandering Star. Which was called I Talk to the Trees. I talk to the Trees. But they don't listen to me. Or both taken from oh, Paint Your Wagon. Paint Your Wagon. Which I've never seen the film. Uh, I've seen bits seen it? of it. Oh. Bits is, of it. Is it good? Uh, the bits I've seen are okay. <laughs> right. I just can't... <laughs> I just can't believe Lee Marvin singing. No. Oh. Even, even although it was... A good... It was, it was good. Wasn't it done... Yeah. When they actually took the, the single, didn't they, um take it direct from the film. It was some... Because all I remember is rain. And you say, I was born under a wandering... Yeah. And it just went on Star. like that. Meals are made... No, it's like mules are made for morning. Mules are made to pack. I've never seen a sight that didn't look better looking back. That's the one. Do you remember Butch Soap? <laughs> no. <laughs> By Yin and Yan. <laughs> and it was a spoof of Telly Savalas singing... Doing a commercial... And it came out on the back of Yin and Yan's record, whatever it was, and on the back of it was Telly Savalas going in there going, 
Hello. And somebody's going, oh, hello, love. <laughs> <laughs> You're here to do this advert. I am. <laughs> <laughs> OK, now it's for soap. OK, soap. So here we go. And uh, we want you to sing Everyone's Happy with Butch Soap. <laughs> so he has to go... Everyone's having a butch soup. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. It's called, but try and find it on YouTube. It's, it's well worth it. The one I do remember is Magic Roundabout by Jasper Carrot. Which was the B-side of Funky Moped. Yes, yes it was. Right. But it got, it got bought for the B-side. Of course, because it was rude. Hello, Florence, said Dougal. <laughs> Hello, Dougal, said Florence. Hello, Florence and Dougal, said Zebedee. <laughs> and then it got a bit rude, <laughs> which we can't repeat to you. But very funny. Very funny. OK, uh, what are we going to do now? I'll tell you what we're going to do. we take um, take a, a quick break. We'll have a chat to Nathan, birthday boy. In fact, it was his birthday, actually, a few... Was yesterday, it yesterday? Yes. Oh, is he sober? We had a chat to him. Is he all right? Sort of so oh, <laughs> Bit of a worry, isn't it, really? Have, 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 do you have a quickie, Paul, that we can throw in just before the yes, news? Yes. A prison chief is under investigation after he used riot wardens to escort him to a pal's wedding party dressed as a handcuffed inmate. <laughs> Adrian Diku, the governor of Maximum Security Prison in southern Romania, has been exposed on a video film of the prank. Dressed in a striped convict uniform, he arrived at the bash supposedly under arrest for trying to steal the bride. Now you know. And a teacher who admitted sending text sex messages to a boy of 14 was yesterday warned she faces jail. Oh. I would think so too, and at least expulsion. Uh, she comes from Sunderland. She made contact with the victim through an interactive computer game and then invited him to take part in sexual acts. She's a primary school teacher. She has been sacked. And, um, but I mean, you can't do things like that, can you? I mean, even in this day and age, we've had, you know, most things, but not, not a primary not school teacher. Not a 14-year-old, no. I'm yeah, afraid. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not. And uh, still to come, the church leaders who are furious because Coronation Street, I'm afraid, covered up a cross in the church for fear it would offend non-Christians. Coronation Street have apologised unreservedly. Time Trouble to take is, it off. Yes. Unfortunately, a little bit late now to do it. So they've upset just about everybody. There's some very stupid people working in television. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. L3, Steve Allen. Steve Allen. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to uh, 6 at the time. Here he is, birthday boy from yesterday. It's our very own, his very own. Is he... Oh, right. God, honestly, what are you doing there this morning? I don't know, honestly. Actually, the, Brian Reed is talking in the mirror this morning, Paul, um, about the Bernard Manning punchline to describe an Asian, mm. which, as you know, sort of reached fever pitch this week. And uh, Brian says, think back two years to the hurricane of hatred which blew around Jade Goody's head after she called her celebrity Big Brother housemate Shilper effing poppadom. The fury it unleashed was so wild that Gordon Brown felt the need to give this apology to India. What she said is offensive. I want to reassure you that British people are proud of our reputation for tolerance and fairness. Uh, when it all subsided, it turned out that Jade Goody's name was a byword for bigotry. Yet what happened this week, when Prince Harry was caught on camera calling one colleague the P-word and another a raghead... Yeah. I can't even bring myself to say the P-word now, but anyway, so it goes on. Um, uh, he actually apologised and said, no, I think he didn't mean it at all. I don't think he did. Well... Somebody on this fair station the other afternoon in a phone-in about this same subject um, said, "In it, we all know the P word is short for Pakistani. Yes. Should I be offended if somebody calls me a Brit? But it's, it's, yeah, we had this argument the other well, day and we, we got confused about it because then they went Aussie, Australian, things like that. And people say, for some reason, yeah. the shortening of, of Pakistani 
is is for some people offensive. It but Harry, how it's said in exactly. what context yes. and whether it was meant to be nasty. He didn't or not. say it nasty. When when the revolting Jade Goody let fly at Shilpa Shetty, it was with such hatred against her. I mean, she used the F word. If Harry had said, "Oh, you," yeah, P B. And used it like that, then it would have been different. Indeed. You know, but here he is. It's uh, NM, NC, birthday boy from yesterday, probably still suffering, a little bit of a headache, but at least we can guarantee a year older. It's Nathan Morley. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I have to say, I do have a small, uh, a small hangover this morning, but uh, I managed to. Yeah, but, that's, but that's your stomach, and it's a large hangover, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the I pictures. Something, if you don't mind me chipping in. No, I no. Said, would you, would you be offended if I if someone called you a Brit? I'd be bloody offended. <laughs> would you? <laughs> yes, I would. I'm a proud European. What? I don't want to uh, to be barrelled with uh, with a label Brit. The funny thing is, all of us at some point have been called a name, and all you have to do is if if every time you got offended. You know, you sort of got upset. You're going to drive yourself to an early grave. All you have to do is go, yeah, very funny, and then say something mm. about them. I wouldn't worry about it in the slightest. I couldn't care less. No, no. The Brit remark's pretty cutting, though. <laughs> the tr- yeah, but then the other day we had the other one, didn't we? We had Sooty Gate. And all of a sudden, <laughs> poor Sooty Sweep and Sue were dragged into it <laughs> and Butch the dog, and he didn't know what was going on at all. I mean, how do you think the Israeli foreign minister feels? I mean, she's named after a character from Rainbow. Her name is Zippy Livni. I mean, oh. what? <laughs> you see the choice? Are we allowed to laugh at that? I don't know. I am. <laughs> I have to be honest, I think it's funny. Barrage of protest now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't take her seriously when she's on the television and the, and the caption comes up, Zippy. I expect George to be in the background. Oh, I know you, Zippy. <laughs> it could be hilarious, could it? But the trouble is, everybody is... Uh, do you remember years ago, there was a, a wrestler called Big Daddy? But his oh, real yeah, name... Shirley Crabtree. Shirley Crabtree. Yes. And nobody ever picked on him. He used to be on Tis Was. <laughs> would you? Yes. And in fact, I remember Johnny Cash brought out a record, A Boy Named Sue. Mm. And the reason that his parents called him Sue was that as he grew up... He would, he would, you know, have the Mickey taken out of him, but he would be strong enough to fight back. Yes, indeed. And I mean, he actually I'm... ended up beating his, up his dad, didn't he? That's or right, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that was a nice family reunion, I think. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, for goodness sake, this week you, you've had a week because your interview made all the papers, didn't it? Well, it did. I mean, and yes, again, it's one of those kind of things, isn't it? One of those remarks people make, and some people, they can brush it off, and other people, they, you know, are deeply offended by it. And I, I noticed that, um, I think it was the uh, Daily Telegraph and the Daily Mail uh, ran it. I think Norman Tebbett made a comment, didn't he? This obviously is in reference to what we were talking about last week, that my, uh, I live near Derek Hatton. Yes. And, and uh, on the back of that, I went to do an interview with him, and I'm sure many of you read his comments about Margaret Thatcher. And obviously, I think I think there has been uh, a massive amount of uh, negative publicity on the back of that. It really was an ill-judged comment, I think. Mm. Uh, uh, but uh, it, it seems to have rocketed him back somewhat into into the spotlight, and no doubt he'll he'll live off the back of that for some time. Yeah. Uh, what amazed me, and you have to, because um, I, I don't know the answer to the question, is. How is Derek Hatton affording... It's, I'm presuming he's retired. What did he make his money in? Well, he, he actually had an internet business, um, and he sold it to Trinity Mirror for £6 million. Really? 
Yeah. Good so God. He, he's, he's a man of money now, yeah. and, and he's um, a, a major shareholder, if not owner, in a property development company. Good God. So he's not short of a bobble. I love these old champagne socialists. The man who single-handedly brought down Liverpool Council, you know, and all of a sudden, he's got six million quid in the bank and he's a property developer and lives in Cyprus. God, fly <laughs> me. I bet some of his old adversaries will be smiling wryly. Yes, I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder whether I should have joined the militancy movement in yeah. the 1980s. <laughs> it certainly would have paid off, let me tell you. Well, yes, yeah, funny. I, he's actually the only militant uh, capitalist I've ever met, which, which I, I'm not quite... I, I'm still either, you know, I felt like I was in a drunken haze again. Hey, so I what do you mean? Distinguished. I've <laughs> spent most of your life like that, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I still find it difficult to believe that when, when, when you, you wrote to me and said, as I turned 35 yesterday, I thought you were talking waist size. I do beg your pardon. Oh, no, that I... happened two weeks ago. <laughs> that was two th- right. And, and you've now decided to ask the news desk to put me on church fates and charity events stories. Because <laughs> you're too old. Well, how, do you, how do you think I feel? Well, look, yesterday, uh, st- st- staying firmly in the gutter where I, where I like to be nowadays, you, I, I, I was searching for the... Uh, I don't know if you saw in yesterday's sun a group of Toreps who uh, faced the sack for giving the Hitler salute. Oh, yes. And n- n- did you see it? Yes, I did, yes. It was called Heil be High. Uh, yes. <laughs> I didn't think they were giving the Hitler salute. I thought they were imitating Basil Fawlty. Well, there, well, there's another angle. There yeah. is another. You should have told them that. You see, they could have got off easy. But now I, I, I understand that all of them... Now, obviously, this is what I've heard. They, they, they faced the chopper one and employed again because mm. it was so offensive to many people. They were tanked up, young people in their 20s having a laugh. Yes. But obviously, you, you know, these things are open to misinterpretation. And, uh, and yet again, the remarks have come out in the, the, the newspapers, deeply offensive, etc. Et so, so I think there are about 30 of them that faced the axe, which uh, uh, no doubt we'll be reading more about this week. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do find it uh, quite unbelievable that we've now turned into the nation of big girls' blouses that I always predicted we were years ago, because there's a certain section of the community that will complain about just about everything, mainly because they're lonely, uh, they probably don't work, they don't have any friends, and it's their only way of communicating. And they, and they spend the evening calling the Clive bullshit. Possibly. <laughs> but it, it is worrying that you can't say anything. You know, if you say, my God, you're looking fat, aren't you? Somebody will write in and go, I'm fat, but it's because I'm, 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 I don't overeat... I've got a thyroid problem. You get, oh, get over yourself. I wasn't talking to you, fatty. You know, just get rid of it. People complain at the drop of a hat. They really do. Yeah. If you think it's bad there, you should listen to expats. Now, I'm sure there are people listening to this broadcast this morning who, who, who would agree. Yeah. There is nothing worse than Brits abroad. Nothing is good enough. Nothing's like home. Foreigners' attitudes really aren't, you know, as, as, as good as we Brits. Yep. Things aren't done properly. Government services are useless. And, and after a while, and this goes harking back to when Paul said, you know, you wouldn't be offended if you called a Brit. Uh, you know, I am. I, some of them are most... Imba- they turn up at the car tax office in a pair of shorts with their stomach hanging out. Yeah. You know, they are very... There's a, there is a section of them which are very embarrassing. <laughs> no wonder they're coming home in droves, because the latest stats out here, albeit unofficial, is that after years of people from Britain pouring into places like Spain and Cyprus, they can't afford it anymore. Yeah. And do you know what the biggest trade is now in, in, in Cyprus and Spain? The removal business. People wanting to go home. Oh, wow. Uh, 
You know, they spent years slagging off Britain and yes. Blair's Britain yeah. and um, John Major's Britain and now they want to come back. I don't think can't. we should allow them back in again. I think we no. should say, no, you've decided to desert us, you've <laughs> gone to Cyprus, uh, you stay there. Because you know what they'll do when they land back in London yeah. and they move, they move back into to an estate or something, they'll spend the next ten years saying how lovely Cyprus is and yeah. how crap Britain is. Yes, yeah. You see, so I'm always the sort of person who goes away on holiday, but I always look forward to coming back here. No matter how filthy, how dirty, how depressing, how stupid the television is, I still like coming back here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to die abroad, I've decided. I want to die here. Oh, what a morbid thought. What, dying here? That's something I never considered. No, dying, dying. I don't want you to die here. I want you to die over there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want the expense of having to bring you back. Good Lord. <laughs> Can you I imagine? <laughs> Actually, I did see a short while ago, and I think it was a Greek funeral director. They have, they seem to have bigger coffins than us. I don't know why. And most of their hearses got little pretty curtains at the window, like you're going to yes. peer out and wave. <laughs> yes. Well, they're, they're, the funerals take place often on the same day or, yeah. or the next morning. It's a very quick affair. And a few years ago, one of my friends died here. And he was uh, buried at an Orthodox cemetery, even though he wasn't, because it was the only place he could be buried. Good Lord. And the service took place, and there was me and a couple of mourners, all in black in our suits, and we were on our own, and we realised we had to fill in the grave ourselves. Oh, That's right. how it's done. Oh, good Lord. So we were there for three hours in our suits, uh, shoveling dirt. <laughs> hey, what? And I could just see him in his box having a laugh. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I've seen recently, a lot of uh, wicker basket funerals which are the ecological ones. And I've seen a couple of poor funeral directors not getting to grips with them, and the things move. And it has been quite dangerous, where I thought, oh, they're going to fall out. And then the other day, strangely, I was coming back on the bus from Richmond, and there was a funeral at a church um, just down the road from me, and it was obviously an, an elderly person, as, as many of them are, but they'd ferried in a load of elderly people from the home who they were taking out of the ambulance, almost as if to say, and if you're not good, that's where you'll end up as well. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> That's the first time I've seen people being helped into church. <laughs> you have to laugh. I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind something a little bit different to, to, to the norm with funerals. Oh, don't I, you worry. Never... When you go, Nathan, it will be something completely out of the ordinary. I can promise <laughs> you that. That LBC will be footing that. <laughs> well, no, but we are going to make Miss, Mr Chaz a pallbearer. <laughs> oh, Just to see if he's as strong in life as you are in death. <laughs> Oh well, the Egyptians God. used to bury their dogs with them. I was kind of hoping he would go along with that. Strangely enough, there was a very famous magician some years ago, and uh, he had a dog who went with him everywhere, and he had a sign on his door which said, you know, you can say anything about me, but you bus must respect my, my dog. And when he died, he was buried with his dog... Uh, in dog, with him as well. Still scratching away, wasn't he? Well, but, yeah, exactly. I, mean, the, I don't think the dog was dead. But he said, <laughs> the more I see of men, the more I love my dog. And he was a very famous magician, what? but he was actually buried with his, his dog. Very wise words. I'd agree with him completely. There you uh, go, absolutely. So. I, you, know, you know the dog is the central component in my entire planet. Oh, absolutely. You know? We know that. But would you dress it up? I only ask, because there's a picture in the paper today, of people dressing their dogs up. And we know you have a little propensity for dressing Mr Jazz up in a few outfits. <laughs> but apparently <laughs> it's not good for them. They've got fur. No it's, no, it's not good for them, because they can overheat. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the only time Chaz ever gets dressed up is when, when it's raining, and if it's cold, he has a little overcoat, <laughs> and that gives... He's, you know, his legs aren't uh, covered, and his tail isn't covered, or his wings. I thought you had Wellington boots for him. <laughs> he's got boots if it's muddy. 
It's <laughs> muddy. It's a dog. It's a dog. I mean, I ask you. Thank God you're that far away. We can't send around the RSPCA. <laughs> I've had builders here for about three weeks now, and if I take him out with the booties on, they all they all laugh at me. <laughs> so I've, I've, yeah, I can't imagine why. No, no idea. Anyway, I have to go. But lovely, <laughs> as always. Thank you both. You're 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 quite a worry to me, Nathan. <laughs> but Please, I, I'm glad I that your interview. About you. Thank you, but I, I'm glad that your interview with Derek Hatton was used all over the place. In fact, even LBC started talking about it as well. Did so they really? Good. Yes, they did. I'll uh, send an invoice. Then, send send an invoice for it to uh, the breakfast show. <laughs> send it to Kevin McAleese. Okay, listen, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bless you, Jen. Take Bless care. you. Happy birthday for yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you very plenty. Nathan Morley. 35. Doesn't look a day over 22, I promise you, really. But uh, then you hear about the dog and you start getting a bit worried. Quarter to six. <laughs> Morning, everybody. It's 11 minutes to six. Steve Allen's early breakfast. Paul Saver is with us. We've just had uh, Nathan Morley. And there's a piece in Brian Reed's column as well that says that uh, David Beckham's great, great, great grandfather was a rag and bone scavenger. Let's face it, he said, putting rags on her bones and scavenging for publicity <laughs> has been his wife's main job for a decade. Oh, and that's why you'll laugh when you see the pictures today, but you'll laugh even more when you see the pictures of Eeyore at it. But you wouldn't recognise her. I've just found them in the papers yes. after you were talking about it's, them. It's, it's so airbrushed, isn't it? It's so airbrushed. Why are they trying to make else? out she's very, very attractive? Because I'm telling you, I've sat next to her, she ain't. She ain't. Her hair, I mean, we know it's falling out because we've seen all the, uh, the pictures. Um... And it's, it's, why are you trying to make something out of something that isn't there? Well, it's I don't the, understand it's it. It's the Beckham's publicity machine, isn't it? Yes, but for Just what purpose? For what purpose? To earn the money. But, but they've got money. So they can get more money. But you can't take it with you. But you How much money can you have? A bit when you're here. Well, she doesn't seem to enjoy spending money. It's, it's a bit, bit dreary, well, she actually. enough of it. Yeah. Patrick McGowan died, star and creator of the cult TV show The Prisoner. I wonder, actually, how many people will realise the connection between that and LBC. Bet you don't know. Bet you don't know. Or you might if you you rack your brains. The Prisoner, Patrick McGowan and LBC. There is a link. There is a very distinct link. Something to do with Bob Holness. No. No? No. No. Oh, go on, spill the beans. The, the link was that at one time, LBC had an advertising campaign which used the prisoner. It had the bouncing ball along the beach. Yeah. And the slogan was, I am not a number, I'm a free man, therefore I listen to LBC 97.3. And I think Peter Dealey did the voiceover on it. Well, he would, wouldn't he? He would, I know, he at would. the time. He was yes. available. Uh, <laughs> I no, wanted I mean, to do the voiceover. I mean, I mean, his voice was perfect for it. Absolutely. That's what I meant. But, um, Nobody understood the prisoner. Danger in. Oh, Danger, Danger Man, Man as well. I used to love Danger Man. Yes, sure do you know, I think I've, I've somewhere. got some Danger Mans on film, I think, on, on DVD. Film? What, Super film. 8? Super 8. <laughs> Super 8. Are they sound or silent? Silent. <laughs> <laughs> Subtitles. <laughs> uh, Ricardo Montalbán has died oh, at 88. So you've got Patrick McGowan, Di Llewellyn, who yes. died. He's only 62. Mm. Welsh connection. Mm. And, of course, Port, Port Merion's in Wales, isn't it? It's Port of course it is. Oh, is it? Oh, right. <laughs> Nobody ever understood what it was, though. It was built... This village was built, and people go round there, but I, I don't know if people actually know what it is. Well, I don't think it was built as a set. It was there before. It just happens to be very picturesque. Right. And, and people go and... Well, do people um, live there? Yes. Oh, right. Oh, how sad. Sorry, no, I mean, how... how <laughs> yeah, they're sad. not sad at it's all. It's a lovely little place. It sounds lovely, actually, but it's all, it all painted different colours, and they used it all the time for filming, didn't it's they? It's very quaint. It's lovely. Is it quaint? Yes. Most things in quaint. Coracles are quaint. Coracles are quaint. And also not those... that I've ever seen one. Have you never? Except in the museum. Oh, Lord, I've seen one. 
What, have you, have you ever had a little... Never had a paddle, no. And I used to love those ladies who sit there with the big hats on. Do you remember the big... Oh, they're in our village all the time. Really? The chemist, they're standing there at the counter Stop with the big... Stop it. ...hats on and the uh, red and black... Do you know that's the only thing that we as Brits do not do? Everybody else has as national costume and dress. You go to Austria, you will see women wearing dirndls, men wearing lederhosen, quite... Li- you know, not, not for exhibition, that's what they wear. Come here, what do we wear? Nothing. Oh, yes, the national dress here. Of course. What? Well, it's... it's fat, Jeans and T-shirts. It's, it's fat birds in leggings and cut-off <laughs> T-shirts with their guts hanging oh, out. I know. No, what, what, um... I suppose our national dress in this country would be akin to what the Morris dancers wear, I would have thought. What, what bells? No, no, not, not the bells, but the... And the, the hankies. Yeah, the, well, the hats really? and the, the... Yes. Oh. I would have thought See, so. See, the Scots no, have got have, kilts. You're right, we haven't got anything distinct. Got any, have we? I mean, I suppose the, the nearest thing would be bowler hat, copy of the FT under your arm, and a rolled up. Yeah, but that's umbrella. not really traditional, is it? That's, not that's really. recent. That's yeah. last century. But we don't have national dress. No. Everybody else has, has got it. You go Maybe to any other country. One. Sorry? Maybe we should invent a national dress. Yes. I do feel we should have something. I feel as though we're a bit. We're sort of missing out on this. We should ask for suggestions. Yes, and what the uh, what the national dress would be for this country. Another story in the paper today. Having mentioned Lorne Spicer, I see that a top glamour model faces ruin after her husband was jailed for two years for cheating the taxman out of £870,000. Ouch. Ouch. Natalie Denning, who's co-hosted TV shows uh, and was once linked... Yeah, but it was so remote, don't worry about it. Um, uh, ..was cleared of participating in a scam, but it turns out that uh, her husband... Uh, laundered money through bank accounts and sent a large sum to Spain. After 870,000. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, let me tell you. I've just found something in the Daily Express. This is not going to work on radio, but we should send this to Nathan Morley. Oh, what is it a picture of? Oh, it's a picture of people dressing their dogs up. <sighs> and lots of pictures. Uh, do and you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I cannot go with that at all. Dogs have got fur, and that's what keeps them warm. You wouldn't go out and dress up tigers in the zoo. Well, there's a pug dressed as Superman, which is very funny, I think. I saw a woman the Poor other day, and she thing. had a little dog dressed up with a little coat. And when people put glasses on dogs as well, <laughs> that must ruin their eyes completely. Well, Because if, if I wear, say, Paul's glasses, that's going to ruin my eyes, and yet people put glasses on dogs. It's ju- they should be done for, for, for dog abuse, I think. Yes. I don't like that perhaps, at all. But the pictures are very cute. They are cute. Yeah, there's a picture of Paris Hilton with hers. And uh, it says here she's come under fire for dressing her dog. Yes, up. good, good. If you see somebody who dresses their dog, go boo, boo, boo you. I don't think you should dress dogs up, no, even for a photograph. Not. I think it's just it's unfair. You know, it's like sort of getting your grandmother out of her. If my auntie Enid was allowed out of the home and we sort of took her out and dressed her in a mini skirt, you know, in a boob tube, she wouldn't be very happy. No, but it's no different to you taking her out and pretending she's going out, and then you just take her back to the home. Yeah, you're right, actually. You're right, yeah. I mean, perhaps... Uh... Oh, there's a new, uh, a new item uh, for girls now. It's called a magic scarf. And the price of this, you can bet it's made in China, because uh, it's, it's just fantastic. It's £6.50. It can either be a poncho, or a dress, a hood, a hand muff, a boob tube, a miniskirt, a belt, or a pashmina. I've got to get one. £6.50. Nine uses to beat the crunch. Or a, or a belt. I think I said belt as well. And it looks great. It's just a very long piece of scarf that expands, so it can be a boob tube, and you pull it up and root. What a brilliant idea. Does your paper say where you can get it from? Uh, well, it says here that it comes from the Magic Scarf Company in Massachusetts. 
Yes. Unfortunately, it doesn't tell you where you buy it in this country. So if anybody knows... Although it does say 26,000 have been snapped up since it went on sale in Britain. Over, well, who's... Is it Primark? It's £6.50. It's not very expensive, yeah. is it? Not very expensive at all. But what a good idea. Why don't they invent something like that for men? Well, you could wear it, I'm sure. Yeah. There's a company in the paper today being investigated... They've had a royal visitor, and I remember this one some years ago, because we had uh, a plumber on LBC, Roger Bisbee, and I remember seeing adverts, and it said, buy magnets, and you put them round your pipes to stop them furring up. And I was always understood and under the impression that it was a load of old hooey. It's like people wearing magnetic bracelets and things like that. Yeah. But this idea was, these magnets were very, very expensive. And you put them on there, and they were connected to the electricity in some way, shape or form, and your pipes never furred up. I was always told that it was absolute rubbish. It was one of those gag things that people bought into, thinking, oh, right, I'll buy these expensive magnets. Uh, unfortunately, it turns out that it's true. They don't work. And they've exposed it in the Daily Mirror today, all these years later, because there will be people who have these magnets attached to copper pipes. Make no difference whatsoever. You might as well wrap your granny round there. In fact, probably have more of an effect, I should imagine. So, uh, if domestic gas is not magnetic, what possible effect will a magnet have? None. Answer, none at all. OK, so, uh, don't worry about these things. Uh, quickie, Paul, quickie. A quickie. A quick one. Uh, drinking too much coffee dramatically increases the risk of hallucinating, according mm. to a new research. Healthy young men and women who had more than seven cups of instant coffee a day were three times more likely to hear or see things that were not there. <gasps> yes. It's thought that caffeine yes. boosts level of corsetol, a stress hormone. The Durham University researchers asked 219 students to document their caffeine intake working on the principle that an instant cup of coffee contains 40 milligrams of caffeine. It's um, so true. Did I not tell you, ladies and gentlemen, last week I went to Starbucks, I put my £2.14 down on the counter, went to wait, she went, excuse me, you've only put £1.10 down. I was totally convinced in my mind I put £2.20 down on the counter. Well, strangely you should say on. that, because coffee brewed at home contains more than twice as much caffeine, yeah. while from cafes such as Starbucks can have as much as 190 milligrams of caffeine, which is more than four times as much. Well, I can't have any tea or coffee this morning until I've had my blood test, so at the moment it's just water. Yes. So I'm thrilled. But don't worry, because very short, we've only got another two and a half hours to go before we start taking the blood out of the body. Uh, still to come, uh, it's the news and Roger Foss and more from Paul Savory, who's with us this morning on The Steve Allen Show. The Early Breakfast, LBC 97.3. Your home may be repossessed. London's biggest conversation continues with Steve Allen, LBC 97.3. Morning team, seven minutes past six, Steve Allen's early breakfast, LBC 97.3. Uh, from Roland, he says, if fame and wealth are supposed to make you happy, why does Victoria Beckham always look like a bulldog sucking a wasp? I don't know, but the funniest page three girl today, and was only pointed out by Paul Savory in The Sun, is uh, somebody called Peter or Petter. And uh, she's excited to hear that NASA is now evidence of life on Mars. Uh, what, of course, we're even more fascinated with, with Peter, is why are your nipples so lopsided, dear? Why are they on top of your breast, as opposed to where they're supposed to be? In fact, if you didn't know better, it could be a ladyboy. It, it, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not casting aspersions on Peter, but frankly... There's something the matter with this woman's breasts. And I don't normally notice this kind of thing first thing in the morning. But it does look odd, doesn't it, Paul? The, it the, does. the actual nipple is sitting practically underneath her arm. 
Even Amanda doesn't I think this go is normal. Quite that far. Well, it's, well, but I mean, but they're certainly on top. They're not meant to be there, are they? Aren't nipples supposed to be at the end? I mean, I'm, I'm not the greatest expert in the world. No, me neither. But it doesn't look right to me. It doesn't All look the right. Page three girls I've seen have certainly yes. got them in different places. Petra, if you are a sex change, do do let us know, love. We'd we'd love to put the record straight on that one. Uh, Steve. Uh, Port Merion Fab, says D, used to be expensive to stay in their restaurant. Uh, worth it, though, especially if you'd seen The Prisoner. McGowan did lots of Columbos, too. I know. In fact, I was only watching him one the other day, where he played, surprisingly, an actor. Uh, Steve, you're so right. Our national dress has slowly descended into US-style leisure wear and the Chav-style leggings and fake Uggs. Gord Elpus. I totally agree. John says, the people should laugh this off a bit more. We could all laugh together. It is true. We don't know what it is, but it's good. Uh, another one here. Uh, apparently, uh, Ravi says, apparently the stan in Pakistan means land, and the first part means pure, so it's pure land. Okay. So I'll, if you're I'll, I'll buy into the that. abbreviation, yes. you're calling them pure. Yes. I quite like that as well. And uh, another one here, very quickly. Uh, have I missed some important reason why it's in the LBC News headlines that Gary Barlow's had a new baby? Says Jan. I don't know. I, th- I, I was there was a picture of Gary Barlow. Looking thinner. Yes, he does look a lot thinner, doesn't <laughs> he? Mind you, somebody who looks as though she's been fattened out and airbrushed and completely changed is uh, Vicky Beckham. Apparently, they they've got a picture of him showing off his uh, muscles. Yeah, right. I mean, everybody knows this is just airbrushing of the worst possible kind, so not that appealing. And the killer of eleven-year-old Reese Jones has launched a bid to overturn his murder conviction. This is Sean Mercer, who I think has already been beaten up in prison. And, uh, as I'll say, couldn't happen to a nicer person. But, however, if you watched Corrie, the vicar has blasted the crew for covering up an offensive cross while filming at his church. The Reverend James Milnes said the decision to avoid offending non-Christian soap fans was ludicrous. They chose the church because it's very pretty and it was for the wedding of Myron and Molly, shown on Monday, but they had the solid brass cross on the altar hidden behind a candelabra and fake flowers. Mr Milnes said, this is quintessentially... A British church. What's the matter with you? What are you doing? She's not with it. She's not with it at all. But anyway, they they did get a fee. £4,600, so that's good news, uh, which is good. Uh, But unfortunately, the producers have had to apologise and say, terribly sorry, we shouldn't have covered up the cross. No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Paul. There's an article in The Sun, which I think is lovely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Romantic Regina Bradley has launched a campaign to find a lover who told her, I love you, 40 years ago. She's now 72 and met the mystery Welshman after flying into Gatwick Airport in December 1968. They arranged to meet later at London's Piccadilly Circus, but she arrived late and they missed each other. Regina said she was devastated, as she spent thousands of pounds advertising in local papers and has travelled all over Wales searching for the dark-haired, good-looking stranger. She said he was the first to say he loved me and it stayed with me for the last 40 years. Regina, who's from Llangollen, North Wales, married and had two kids but is now divorced. She says, I'm praying my socks off that he could be out there and finally get in touch with me. I hope he doesn't, because if she... Lovely. Yeah, I hope hope he doesn't get in touch. I hope he does. Because she wears socks, and I'm sorry, you can't go out with anybody who wears socks. Not if you're a woman. I'm. she socks? She says, I'm praying my socks off. Oh, Please. Well, I don't want to doesn't bump into anybody that. wearing. So- well, what does it mean? mean that. What does she's it mean? Just praying a lot. Well, why doesn't she just say praying a lot? Does I'm she... now worried she's going to turn up in little booties. Well, it doesn't matter as long as they they love each other. 
Wayne in Canvey says... It'll be lovely. Uh, yeah, it'll be lovely. Yeah. Good luck, love. Good luck. It'll be a little romantic. Apparently, uh, Pedigree Chum has just gone bust. No. They're calling in the retrievers. <laughs> it's an old one, but it's oh, worth doing. Dear. Roland says, I'm also a diabetic, and I know what it's like to fast for a blood test. Fortunately, today, I don't have one. So I've just had a bacon sandwich, and I'm now sipping my lovely coffee. I hope this is of comfort to you. And I hope you choke. OK, there you go. <laughs> That's the caring side of me coming out. <laughs> uh, Steve, Petta isn't a sex change. I work in the school in Harlow, where her brother goes. You should see the photos he's got. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's more interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Cheered everybody up. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh. But you must have a... You have to look in the paper to realise that she's quite clearly very odd-shaped. It's not normal. It's not normal. However, uh, there were two stories. Firstly, there was a story in the paper yesterday about a man who was too fat to be sent to prison for any length of time. This is a thug, a convicted mm-hmm. thug. And, and the judge said, no, I'm not, because I think it could be damaging to your health. And he said, I'm frightened to go into prison. I was willing him to go into prison and be beaten up because he'd been round with a baseball bat and uh, beaten up two other people, so I was quite glad when he was convicted. However, not as bad as a woman in the paper today, drunken yob Jane Poole, who kicked a dad to death and then complained that he'd upped her shoe, was jailed for life. So she kicked him to death, she was drunken, uh, it was in a row over his baby, she was convicted of his murder, ordered to serve a minimum of 12 years, but a judge warned her she may never be released. I hope you never get out, love. I hope they beat the living daylights out of you in prison. I'm just absolutely amazed at this ludicrousy in this country of it's life, but it could only be 12 years. And oh, absolutely. Why is it not life? Life should be life. It should absolutely be life. I'm sure that anybody who's been the victim of any of peop- these people who've perpetrated crimes would be going, yes, life should be life. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you watch these, uh, the, these cop programmes yeah. on, the, uh, on the box, if you watch an American one, you know, they, 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 I don't know, they lift a loaf of bread from a supermarket, they get 15 years in prison in the penitentiary. Oh, I think that's right. And uh, over here, you could murder somebody and get probation. Yes, yes. It, it's just pathetic. They go, well, of course, they actually had a difficult upbringing. You know, isn't that awful? Yes, but, do you remember the story? Do you know what it's all about? Oh, yes, I it's know. It's about money yes. and how much it costs to keep people in prison and all that mammy Well, let's bring rubbish. back hanging, then. Let's make it easier and take away that from the equation. There was a guy in the paper the other day who was sprung from uh, Feltham, Young Offenders Institute. He was being mm. taken via Bedfont. Yeah. A car pulled in front of the prison lorry. Uh, threatened, they, get, they smashed the window, they took the guy at the back who was 20. He turns out to have been a member of a travelling family. Five members of the same family are all inside. Five members from the same travelling family all inside. He will be caught again and he'll go back inside again. And it, t- it turns out to be some sort of game or something. Well, why is it that, that people that are transporting criminals mm. are not armed? Oh. They should be. And also, they were able to smash the windows of the lorry. You would have thought they'd have had toughened glass, wouldn't you? You would have you thought would. that would have been something fairly sensible. I mean, I'm goodness sake, perhaps I'm just talking, you know... No, you're not sure absolutely morning. right. You wonder, though, why they haven't thought about this. There might be stuff... And also, why is there not an escort going with them as well? The car pulls in front, then you get two more arrested, quite clearly, from the same family. Why would they want an escort? Or that kind of escort. Yes. But, but also, to stop this sort of thing happening, it's now cost us time and money. The, uh, the man driving the wagons in hospital. Mm. Luckily, he was released later, but again, he'll have the trauma of that. It's like tube drivers who have people every day. The worst dread thing for them is somebody throwing themselves in front of the tube train. And it happens on such regularity. It's I've awful. seen it, I'm afraid. Terrible, isn't it? It is. Terrible. All right, listen, still to come, uh, Roger Foss. We're off to the first night of Oliver. Before that, it's the headlines. 
Text 84850. If you do nothing else today, you must buy uh, a couple of papers, if only for the funny picture of the page three girl, Peter, or Petter, and for Eeyore doing something unnatural in a Disneyland kitchen. I mean, that'll be the one you cut out. And yes, they're both in your sore-away <laughs> Both in your sore-away <laughs> today, and both very funny. <laughs> also, a list of presents for Charles and Diana. One of their official gifts was sand. Just the kind of thing you need, isn't it, really? God knows well, why. Could be ballast. Yes, could be ballast. Very quickly, uh, Bryn says he's been feeling under the weather this week with some minor infection, and the quack has put him on antibiotics. Annie and I were due to go to Wales for a few days, had to cancel. She has been marvellous as a carer, but as I'm feeling a bit better, it's time to say a big thank you with a special cup of leaf tea, a nice piece of toast and marmalade. I've lost my appetite, and as a result, half a stone. Yippee, he says, but when I feel right, I'll take her for a meal. So Bryn and Annie... I know that uh, she's been listening like crazy all this week. Good girl, Annie. Well done. Well done on that one. Well done. It's uh, 6.20. Wish you better as well, Bryn. It's not much fun if you feel a bit low, is it? Hopefully you'll put a smile on your face this morning. If you, if you buy, buy the sun and just have a look at the picture of Eeyore, you'll, be, you'll feel a lot happier about life. Uh, if you see a picture of, of Roger Foss, you'll always feel happy because you'll know that last night, he was at the first night, the opening night, at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane for Oliver. Morning, Good morning, Steve. Yes. Is it is it the same show that was at the Palladium, Roger? Well, it is the same show that was at the Palladium, more or less. Uh, though I've got to say more because Drury Lane, of course, the Theatre Royal Drury Lane is absolutely massive. Yes. And Cameron Mackintosh has spent a small fortune on this show in expanding the sets and then making it much, much deeper so you get the whole depth of that stage at Drury Lane. A cast of what looks like millions, I mean, a huge company with loads and loads. I mean, you know, I think there's about 40 waifs and orphans and strays in the workhouse singing food, glorious food at the very beginning. And you think this is what Drury Lane must have been like back in the <laughs> turn of the century when they put on these huge spectacles there. Mm. So uh, it's the same production but restaged and remounted, and you actually. Really, it, you know, I mean, if you've seen that one all those years ago, this is completely different. It's got a completely different energy. And I've got to say, I mean, you know, it's the, uh, what, the, the fastest grossing show in the West End. It's obviously taken lots of money because everybody wants to go and see Jodie as Nancy. But, mm. I mean, no wonder, because um, Cameron McIntosh has pulled it off again with a production that equals Mary Poppins in its uh, family entertainment value oh, this is lovely. really quite something especially in the credit crunch period when you think like you were saying earlier someone's feeling under the weather well go and see oliver i mean yeah. that will give you loads of um pa pa oh it's lovely isn't it i mean i mean i, I like the show first time round. actually i thought it was absolutely fantastic yes it is and i mean you know you kind of forget that it's such a london story you, obviously oliver comes from somewhere up north i think where he's workhouses originally but ends up in london and so this production really feels like you're there almost <laughs> and yeah. there's some great scenes with some pools in the background it's, i thought blimey this is just like when i go home on the number 11 bus yeah. you know that view along fleet street where you see some pools it's just really quite stunning to look at at times but i think um <laughs> everybody wants to know about jody and yeah. i think the people were right in voting for her because she really is fantastic as Nancy. You know, she's got right, all the right kind of vocal stuff going there. She's very warm. She's, you've got, 
she she is Nancy, and she does as long as he needs me brilliantly. And uh, and and of course, she has this fantastic. I mean, considering she comes from Blackpool of all places, she's got this uh, amazing Cockney accent, which I'm convinced she learnt at the Barbara Windsor School of Cockney and Hackney because <laughs> it's so so good. I I, ju- I just can't tell you. I mean, I. I went to the uh, after-show party at the Waldorf where Cameron McIntosh served up much more than workhouse gruel to the company and all the families and friends of all these kids in the show. You know, you could just imagine yeah. how huge it was. And I think the, um, the general feeling is that, that this really is a super hit for the West End. Good, good. And what oh, about can... uh, Rowan? Yeah. Amazing Fagin. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, there's a bit of Mr Bean there. Yes, that's what I thought <laughs> there might be, actually. <laughs> just occasionally, just a little patch of the Blackadder coming through there somewhere, and just that slight quirky madness of him, but he's really brilliant. You know, yeah. there's that amazing number, it's not just got a pick a pocket or, pocket or two, but reviewing the situation. Yes. And, I mean, that's a, a masterpiece. And Bern Gorman, too, as Bill Sykes, who... I've seen in things like Torchwood, you know, he's absolutely scary. I mean, I, 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 you know, if I was a kid, I wouldn't sleep a wink if I'd seen him, you know, Bill Sykes, he's amazing. But the thing, interesting thing about this production is that uh, the programme and everywhere in it, it's billed as Lionel Bart's musical masterpiece. And I think this really is a a tribute to Lionel Bart himself, who I think always wanted to have a show on at Drury Lane. And now it's finally happened. And last night there were... Lots and lots of uh, Lionel Bart's family there. I even met a guy who was once his lawyer. So um, it's, a, it's a real, as far as Cameron McIntosh is concerned, I think a real tribute to Lionel Bart, who clearly is one of our greatest composers. You mm. know, all those songs just hit you, Food, Glorious Food, but Consider Yourself and You've Got to Pick a Pocket or Two, I'd Do Anything, as long as he needs me. I mean, they just keep coming. It's just really quite something. Of course, it, it was sad, wasn't it? Because it was, when it, when it came back at the London Palladium, I think Lionel Bart was, was on his downers by that time. I don't think he had very much money at all. No, that's right. And it really was the way in which uh, Cameron uh, arranged for the royalties, some of the royalties to go back to him. Yes. That actually helped Lionel a lot in his later years. Mm. But, you know, that, um, this is, of course, the only, the first production with Lionel Bart not actually being around. Yes, so yes. There's a lot of a lot of um, tribute to Lionel Bart in the programme, well worth reading some of the stuff in there about him if people aren't aware quite of how important he is in terms of our pop music in this country, but also our musical theatre with this show. But no, I, I think this is, this is definitely a, a, a Lionel Bart masterpiece, and, and it's a great, great uh, production from... Cameron McIntosh yet again. Yes, I mean, I, I, I hope that it does do well because, as you said before, it's a big theatre to fill. In fact, it's one of our one of our biggest theatres, Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Cameron's been there before, of course, many times with shows, so he he knows what yeah. it takes to fill it. And and I think in times of recession, it's it's a kids show as well. People will, you know, the kids like it because they've seen it on the telly. Well, exactly, and there are loads of kids in it. As I said, I mean, you know, and and the Artful Dodger the, that we had last night, a kid from Essex, Ross McCormack. I mean, absolutely amazing. And the Oliver was a boy called Harry Stott. I think he's probably about eleven or twelve. He was one of the television Olivers. You know, they chose them, didn't yes, they? they yes. It wasn't they weren't voted for by the public. And, you know, young performers here who are all really very, very well cast, including a little tiny tot who plays a character called Nipper, and everybody absolutely adores. So I think there's something for everybody. I think this is a true family show, and um, 
if you haven't already booked, it might be difficult to get in for a while, actually. Get in. <laughs> get in quickly. If it's, a, if it's a true family show, then it's one that you can take the kids to. And everybody knows it anyway, so you know the songs, you'll sing along to it, and you'll, you'll just marvel at how much Cameron crams onto a stage. And the story, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, gripping story there, and... It's it's actually quite dark at moments, and it's mm. pretty frightening and a bit scary, but we all like that, don't we? Do they have a dog? Oh, of course. Bill Sykes comes on with his dog bullseye, you know, that dog with a black patch over its eye, mm. and, uh, and, and, and walks through with the dog, which um, is... It's, it's a lovable dog, I suppose. Oh. <laughs> of course, it's Bill Sykes that you kind of think is going to growl at you any minute. Yeah. And uh, as I say, Bern Gorman, wow, he's frightening. They've... they've made some changes too to this original palladium production they've added a walkway around the front of the stage which means that some of the action comes into the front of the audience good, which good. is really fantastic so yes i mean it's certainly not one of those um gruelly type productions you know it definitely does you think well yes please mr cameron mcintosh please sir cameron i want some more of this Absolutely. Roger, a big thumbs up there for Oliver. We'll talk to you next week. Have a nice week. OK, Steve, and you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Roger Foss, head man at What's On Stage magazine. Lovely little magazine which you get in theatre foyers. Full colour and it's, it's just got all the shows. So there's the recommendation for today. It's Oliver. It's at Theatre Royal Drury Lane. And, and I hope that when you go back on public transport you don't suffer what I suffered the other day. I get on the, um, the bus to go to Kingston and there was a woman sitting upstairs... And I'll tell you very quickly, she was eating a kebab, stretched out on all the paper with a kebab. I wanted to lean over and go, you are disgusting, aren't you? You really are. Stay at home next time. London's biggest conversation. Elb- a load of rubbish yesterday. What a load of rubbish. One of these days you're going to take my advice, aren't you, and go each way. Because had you gone each way with uh, Lexianos... Mm. Second, wasn't it? It was a second, yeah. yeah. And you, you'd have had a little something in well, your pocket. a very little something, because I think... Yeah, but a little again. something's better than nothing. Well, true. Heavens above, £9.20 in debt you are now. Mm. However, Mount Helion, uh, for Alex, was third, so he's now £10.77. OK. It's not looking, it's not looking good for either not, of us no, at the moment, He says, it? could we ever pick a winner again? He says, not on our current form. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to be positive about it. It's early days. It is. We're positive we can't yeah. pick a winner. <laughs> no, no, we, 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 well, Phil started so well. Mm, I, mean, I had a good spell the end of last year. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And then it's nine just, is not going well. It's not, it's the weather, you know. He it's doesn't know awesome. whether it's soft or hard out there. He really doesn't, do you? I mean, <laughs> many's the day we've pondered over this in the office. You know, what it is the going, soft or hard? And he sits there looking at me blankly, you know, like, I feel so sorry <laughs> for you, Steve. Uh, so today, <laughs> I don't think he quivers. <laughs> the 340 at Ludlow, you'll like this title, Dancing with Bubbles. Nice. Dancing with... Actually, Viscount Rothermere's wife used to be called Bubbles Rothermere, and she used to go to Stringfellow's nightclub, and she used to collect young men's phone numbers. And she, she was famous for it. She was absolutely famous. She was the largest character on the London scene, like Di Llewellyn used to be. So, Dancing with Bubbles, but also it's something that you could have in a laundrette, I suppose. Win only. Mm. What are you going for? Uh, I'm going to Great Lees. Another late one, 9.20. Too late for them. I've told you, they're yeah. in bed at seven. That might have made the difference last night. Uh, hooking Hero tonight. Yes, thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Every kind time. of sums up the me. It kind of sums it up, doesn't it, really? Yeah. So, have you seen the, the lovely picture today in the paper? Of, of Eeyore. No. Oh, so. there's a lovely picture of Eeyore captured at, at Disneyland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fits in with the last comment on the horse. But anyway, indeed. that's it. Thank you, Phil, very much indeed. Thank you. Phil will be back with Nick Ferrari this morning on The Breakfast Show. And uh, it's uh, Siobhan Wykes who's in to do the papers today. Uh, I hope they're going to be talking about the cross. 
in Coronation so. Street because it was it was taken out by the uh, producers. So I wasn't very uh, very pleased about that. They are going to be talking about small businesses. Are they being helped or not? Uh, and uh, they're talking about BAFTA nominations and the third runway decision today. I think we know the decision. The decision is it's going ahead. Yes. And makes no difference about the compulsory purchase of the of the piece of land that all these people have bought because the uh, the law will just ride straight through that, I'm afraid. So you could talk about that with Nick Ferrari this morning and the death toll in Gaza. It's risen now above a thousand. Above a thousand. Uh, in a moment, I've got a fantastic Nintendo Wii and Wii Fit to go for you. Thank you to Steve who wrote to Oddbins after my experience in there. That's where I went in to buy the champagne. Yes. And I'd had it twice in there, and I thought, you know, you don't let a customer go out the door. If you're a salesperson, the idea, and I was going to buy champagne, and they don't have the champagne, you go, well, we've got something else. Yeah. So Steve, Steve wrote to the customer services manager, Nigel Grinstead at Oddbins, and he says, uh, I've contacted the sales manager, and I've asked that the individual is spoken to. I mean, because it's, we're in a recession. You've got to grab every bit of money that comes through that door. And you don't let money walk out the door again. You don't. Because Steve says, I also hate bad service in shops. So I told them. And you have to. If you don't tell people, they can't improve it. So well done to, uh, to Oddbins there. And Nigel, thank you for that. Paul. Steve, there's a, a story again in the sun today that seems to have all the best pictures, all the best stories, about a British mineral water that can dra- dramatically reduce wrinkles. Oh, fantastic. Deeside water from a spring near the Queen's Balmoral home hydrates the skin more effectively than tap varieties. It's 80p a bottle, and it can reduce ageing in just 12 weeks. Brilliant. Leeds University <laughs> boffins asked women to quaff several glasses of Deeside or tap water each day for three months. Those who drank the Scottish water were 25% more likely to report fewer wrinkles and a better skin tone. The researchers said measurements indicated the skin was better hydrated when subjects drank D-side. It's thought that its minerals can fight free radicals, substances that can age cells. The water is also good for rheumatoid arthritis pain. And where do we get this water from? From the D-side. <laughs> thank you. That's, that's all right. That's where D-side I'm going to. mineral water. How lovely, how lovely. Uh, Mark, thank you very much indeed. Mark's written again from Sea Wing. He's in uh, Wakefield. Yes. He's in for quite some time. We, we established this the other well, we've day. we've been hearing from him for a while. We have been hearing from him, and we've been hearing from his brother as well. And uh, he said, I missed the interview with Mandy Patinkin, but I know his voice quite well because I had a CD of his. So he's obviously keeping up to date with all the things that are, are going on. Uh, thank you very much indeed for your correspondence. Thank you for the card as well. And uh, he says also, uh, your interview with Dave D was so sensitive and poignant. Yes. Multiple kudos to you. Yeah. It was a, I mean, it, it was only a good interview because I was talking to a man who was dying. And I don't know what you say to a man who is dying apart from you're terribly, terribly brave. Because three months after we did the interview, Dave D was no more. And he, was, he so promised me to come back into the studio when his book was published that uh, it's not going to happen. 20 minutes to uh, seven, but at least he gets loads of mentions in the papers. Uh, also, Nicola Bond. Morning, Nicola. The, we, we've done an, I only mention Nicola because I've done an audio book. Uh, and it's on uh, theatre in London. It's on Music Hall. And as soon as it's re- she says, it's almost done, it's sounding fab, she says, you sound so good and I can't wait for you to hear it. So I want you to hear it as well. So as soon as it's ready, we will, um, I'm somebody dressed up today. This is the, the smart, I'm just checking actually. Why is he, why is he wearing, why is he wearing a suit jacket? Is it very, are you wearing the trousers that go with it? No. Oh. No, nice. he hasn't got any trousers on. But it, it's unusual that he's wearing a jacket like that, unless he's going out for lunch. Have we found out yet, Amanda? Have we found out? 
Because you know we need to... What have we found Not out? yet. Well, ask him, for goodness I'm sake. Ready. Good Lord, oh, woman. That. I'll do yes. the... Yes, that. I'll do the Nintendo Wii and the Wii Fit. Because it's uh, a fantastic. If you want to get fit this year, this is the thing for you. <laughs> Can we broadcast it? No. <laughs> anyway, the Wii is great fun. <laughs> Feat- features motion sensitive controls. Uh, that you, you can, you have, you've got your script, anyway, look, take my word for it, it's a brilliant piece of kit, you want it, I've played on one, and if I like it, you'll like it as well. Just go easy, you can do tennis, baseball, bowling, uh, which come with the, with the console, and you can get extra games as well, and it's really good. Now, the lowest unique bid will win, the lowest bid in pence that nobody else makes. Be quick, the auction closes at 4pm today, you text LBC, followed by your bid in pence... And send it to treble eight two one. So LBC, then your bid in pence. Whatever you think it's going to go for. If you think it's going to go for one pound sixteen, you text LBC one one six, and then send it to treble eight two one. The bid will cost one pound fifty plus your standard network rate. Lines close at four pm today. Must be over sixteen. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. Good luck because it's it really is. It's worth going for if you haven't seen one or played with it. Any age, and that includes people like Bryn and Annie. Any age because you can do bowling. And it's very, my stomach's going mental. I do apologise. It's only because I'm fasting, and because I haven't had any alcohol for forty-eight hours. Not that I'm crawling up walls. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> but also nothing to eat for for twelve hours, and also no no tea. And I miss a cup of tea in the morning, so I've got to have my blood done later. But it's quite a big one. I've got to do the wee wee test as well. Although the little tiny tube they've given you, I mean, I don't know what my doctor thinks I'm packing down here, but believe you me, she obviously hasn't got high hopes. Because it's a little tiny tube. Ridiculous. I expect to get it in there, I'll never know. Anyway, uh, some more stories from the papers as well, and uh, I'll have another slurp of water. It's the only thing I'm getting this morning. And I could really, really, because Paul very kindly bought me this curry sauce, and I'm so looking forward to trying it with chips. In fact, I'm feeling quite ill thinking about it. And if anybody else writes in to me telling me they're having bacon sandwiches this morning, there will be, there will be carnage in the studio, I'm afraid. Absolute carnage. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. And you can do that, which, um, soon. And, oh, dear, you see. It's a fa- 84850. Thank you. I need it's food. Right. I need food. I'm fasting. I can't help it. Continues after the news with Nick Ferrari at breakfast. LBC 97.3. Morning, every 10 to 7. Nick's with you after 7. Uh, Nori says, wish Bryn well. I always love to hear what he's been up to and sorry he's under the weather. Not long now until you can have sausages. I wish people had stopped talking about sausages. Got to get home yet. Got to get home. Sorry? And chips. And chips as well. With curry sauce. With curry sauce. Uh, A lot of people talking about the airbrushing of Victoria Beckham, and boy is it airbrushed, because she certainly doesn't look like this. She's not recognisable. Not recognisable. Somebody said here, her skin's been totally cleaned up and polished, her breasts have been enhanced, I would also say legs shaped and retouched, because this woman's a stick insect. We've seen her. And she certainly doesn't, doesn't look like that at all. Uh, I've got some w- some bad gags. We did bad gags on the programme yesterday. Uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Lass. Lass who? How long have you been a cowboy? Oh. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, OK. Um, uh, what is a sentence with the word politics in it? Come politics. <laughs> My parrot swallowed an alarm clock and now politics. OK. Why did the bald man put a rabbit on his head? Because from a distance, it looked like a hare. (laughs) Okay. Um, Oh, these are really bad. Police have apprehended two children. The first was eating batteries and the other was eating fireworks. They charged one and let the other off. Okay. (laughs) They're really bad. Uh, Really bad. Uh, What did Snow White say when she dropped off her camera film to be developed? 
Go on. Someday my prince will come. Oh, that old one. It's an old one, I'm afraid. It's an old one. I should have got that. Doctor, Doctor, I keep seeing cartoon animals who talk. It sounds as if you're suffering from Disney spells. Okay, it's as good. If you've seen the picture of Eeyore, it's a cracker. Ian, Eeyore <laughs> and Chip and Dale as well. What's blue and fluffy? Cool. Blue fluff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about the fly who flew through a sieve? He strained himself. Uh, these and more you'll find in the Daily Mail this morning. They are appalling, but not half as sad, I'm afraid, as the Romanian TV station, which has been fined after the presenter on a live phone-in quiz show threw a tantrum when nobody phoned in. <laughs> presenter Adela Lupse started screaming at the camera, smashed the phone on the ground and then jumped up and down on it. At the same time, she screamed repeatedly at the camera, I want the phone to ring now, now, call me now. Might not have been in that sort of accent, but it was quite close. <laughs> Angry TV bosses fired her after the outburst on the station National TV. Miss Lupsi, who's been the show's presenter for three years, said, Maybe I was a bit over the top, but I wanted people to call. A lot of pressure to get people calling with correct answer. It's a bad day for me. Okay, that's how they speak. <laughs> okay, if she was doing it in English, that's how she'd be. <laughs> Romanian TV watchdog failed to see the funny side and find them a thousand pounds from Ooh. justified violence to the phone. What? And justified violence to the phone? Absolutely. It also ruled the show be slapped with an X rating and only broadcast after 10pm when children are in bed. Perhaps we can do the same to our quizzes. Let's just stick them on at about four in the morning for about five minutes. Mm, nice it really is awful. Paul. Steve, there's a... We, we've talked about this before. There's a US student who's auctioning her virginity to pay for her studies. Yes. Um, on eBay, I think it is. Yes. And, uh, well, the... Uh, well, last time we talked about it, the bids were up to £162,000, but obviously lots of people have been talking about it. Mm. And interest has since rocketed and currently stands at £2.5 million. Miss Dillon from San Diego in California says she was persuaded to offer herself to the highest bidder after her sister, Avia, paid for her own degree after working as a prostitute for three weeks. Yes. Of course, she's not really a prostitute, just a pretend prostitute. Right, of course. So you know, it's just to make a bit of money. She said she'd had a lot of attention from a wide range of men, including weirdos, those who get really graphically sexual about what they want to do with me, and lots of polite requests from rich businessmen. She said, I know that a lot of people will condemn me for this because it's so taboo, but I really don't have a problem with that. My study is completely authentic, and I'm truly auctioning my virginity, but I'm not being sold into this, I'm not being taken advantage of in any way. No. I think me and the person I do it with will both profit greatly from the deal. Hmm. You'll end up being a hooker, and he'll be just seen as some dirty old man with too much money. I'm 2. afraid. 2.5 million. I don't pounds. think she'll ever see 2.5 million. She's just another brass. Whatever happens, whatever way you look at it, she's selling sex for money. Oh, That's yes. prostitution. Of course it is. It's as simple as that. The trouble is, it's, it's nothing expensive. new, is it? We had some. Did we have the lesbian? who was selling her virginity as well. She went on the British television a short while ago, and she, she claimed that it had been some man and her in a motel. There was never any evidence, though, yeah. to suggest that this had ever happened. So it was, it was, it was a bit pointless, you know. He, he, he wanted to remain secret. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> so I never believed her at all. Um, just about it for this morning, apart from the fact that Alan Sugar is urging shoppers to buy British to stop the economy crumbling. There's also a campaign to stop people buying, is it foie gras? Foie gras, yes. Because of the, uh, the cruel methods that they're using, and some supermarkets are buying from Bulgaria, I believe. And they had that on the television yesterday, where these poor geese and uh, ducks 
have their throats forced open and this tube that goes right mm. down to the stomach just to get them ready as quickly as possible. Uh, frankly, I'm not. It's it's not stuff. it's not very nice. But then neither's veal crating or no. anything else. I'm not not sort of a big fan of these uh, these kind of uh, things. But it goes on. But there's, there's now a campaign to stop people having foie gras. Have you had foie, foie gras before? I have, and I don't like it. It no. tastes like lard to me. I, Does it? I really don't. Yeah, I'm, like I'm not. I'm not a fan. Mind you, I'm not a fan of caviar either. Oh no, caviar I like. Oh, do you like caviar? Yes, I do. Oh, I can't quite get into that. I'm afraid. Not at all. But uh, you don't like fish, so it's hardly surprising. No, I'm not. I was offered it once, and I, and I thought, am I going to eat caviar? No, I'm not. I'll eat fish fingers. Yes, I know. They're nice. With curry sauce <laughs> on, it could like be even better. It's crunchy bits, you like. I keep talking about all this food today, so because I'm not eating at the moment. Oh, crooks are to be stopped from cashing in on books about their crime. And there's a couple out at the moment. Uh, drug smuggler Howard Marks, hostage-taker Charles Bronson, apparently said to be the hardest man in the country. Yeah, right, Charles. Wuss. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that as he's locked up. I feel but so much safer again, about I, things. I, I do think we'll miss out if these people stop writing books. Yeah. Well, the Craze wrote various books, including one where they admitted to another murder. Mm. I know. I, I understand the, uh, the objections to it, but I do think that we'd be missing out if, if people were not able to write about these things. Hmm. Do you, want to, do, you, do you want to read about criminals, though? Are you fascinated I, by, I by like the criminal? Crime, as you know. Yes. You, you, Big Fido like... fan. New stories up on, um, on, e on, on eBay. On eBay, no, <laughs> on, not... Uh, on iTunes. On iTunes. Martin this is Fido. Martin Fido Just is up there. Just search under Martin Fido and you'll find them. OK. Uh, what team did Julius Caesar support? Go on. Roman Vila. <laughs> OK, that's the best we can uh, get. <laughs> uh, I saw a bloke playing... Dancing Queen on the didgeridoo. I said, that's Aboriginal. It's an old one, I know, and we have, we have used it before. Angela says, good luck with your medical. I know. Do you know, just think, in a few hours' time, I'll be able to eat sausages. With curry sauce. With curry sauce on. I, 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 well, don't. No, don't talk about it yet, because I've got to get well, home. Maybe, maybe we can go and have a, um, a curry up the road. No, well, I can't, can I? I've got to have the blood test at 8.30. Not <laughs> coming back into town again, that's a fact. Paul, thank you very much. You're welcome. A pleasure. And, uh, listen, if you want to download the programme, go to lbc.co.uk and you can learn uh, all about podcasts. It's very cheap. Very, very cheap indeed. And if you go to YouTube, there's the last six minutes which Dawn very kindly put up of the Croydon show. So you get everybody on stage, Richard Hakia singing It's Snowing, and Alan Dodgen from some inexplicable reason just laughing uncontrollably. I've got no idea why. I do. Was it the snow? It was the foam, yeah. It was the foam. Yeah. This was the snow that we were promised would evaporate when it hit the stage. And it wasn't. It was like shaving foam. It was like shaving foam everywhere. Even oh, Chris it was Christodoulin. because you were laughing, I think. I did think it was funny. Listen, have yourself a great day. I'm back with you tomorrow. Nick's with you after the news, which is next on 97.3. You probably didn't know.